We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link along with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Uh, you can follow on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. I'm at Clay W. Link. James, we're going to get to your latest Farm Futures piece a little bit later in the show, but uh, today is a pretty big day for, for prospects. International uh, players can sign today for the first time. So, some pretty big names. A guy that I've had my eye on for quite a while, Vlad Guerrero Jr., inking a deal with the, the Blue Jays. Expected that he'd you know be one of the more highly touted international prospects in this year's class, and uh, you know a lot to live up to with his father's name. But we saw with that that one video that went kind of viral uh, late last year. We hit how many home runs did he hit in that like home like, run derby? Like it was 30 like or thirty something? plus out of sixty balls. <laughs> yeah. Like he hit out. <laughs> That's absolutely absurd. Um, but what's the upside with with a guy like this? So yeah, he's. He's kind of all bat, like he's the perfect fantasy prospect. Uh, <laughs> minus, I mean, he doesn't have any speed. Uh, he doesn't. He actually surprisingly doesn't have. You know, if you're going to compare him to his dad, he doesn't have a good arm either, really. <laughs> so he's going to end up in left, which I thought was kind of surprising. I mean, you would have thought, you know, with his power and bloodlines, that he would have been a, a perfect fit for right field. But uh, so he'll he'll probably end up in left or DHing now that he's he's going to be with an American League organization. Uh, the power is you know possibly plus plus, and the, the hit tools possibly plus. So you know we could be looking at yeah. I, I saw some some people were comparing him to to Raphael Devers at that age and <laughs> saying that those guys were kind of comparable. So. Uh, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna include all these international signees when we do the. Um, the latest you know top 200 and he will definitely be one of you know three or four guys that makes the cut there that's some, you know good to hear just because i i want to see this guy and i want to i want to own him in our keeper leagues i'm going <laughs> to 
Yeah, it's going to be hard for me not to spend that first round reserve yeah. draft pick next you, year. It's it's one of those things where you you definitely want to be aggressive as long as it's a keeper league that you know is going to be around for like a decade because <laughs> yeah. you're going to have to wait uh yeah, forever 16 years old. on all these guys yeah, yeah other than um other than dariel alvarez and eddie martinez who have uh, eddie martinez has yet to sign he's actually mlb.com's top guy but uh yeah yeah alvarez pretty much a consensus top two or three guy from this uh this set of international prospects he's older i think he's 19 or 20 so i mean he's someone that you can treat like a normal guy but uh some of these other ones are they're all in the 16 to 17 range yeah gonna be a while but with a guy like with guerrero i I feel like three years down the road he could be you know kind of consensus top top 20 fantasy prospect but you mentioned yedier alvarez 16 million dollar deal with the dodgers today uh great work by you by the way getting these notes up on these guys now, you mentioned a little older. You can touch 99, though, on the radar gun. Um, you did that a couple times earlier this spring. Secondary pitch is still coming along, but slider looks like a, a potential you know, above average to potential plus offering in time. But is this somebody that, that you see as a, as a top 100 prospect when you do your update? Yeah, I think so. Uh He's got, you know, the slider, it's it's inconsistent right now, uh, you know, can lose its shape at times. But when he throws a really good one, like you, you see that sort of, wow, you know, like this mm-hmm. could be a, a potential hammer. So, you know, comparing that with the, the velocity, that's, you know, p- yeah, like you said, potential for two plus pitches there. And uh, yeah, I mean, the Dodgers, they were waiting on this guy. That's why they didn't sign Moncada or didn't make a competitive offer on Mankata is because they wanted to be able to go after Alvarez and now that uh you know he's gonna he's gonna get in their their system this this year presumably and you know could see him maybe finish the year at like high a or something like that it's interesting another guy wrote a note about Lucius Fox yeah. what a great name yeah no that's I, an 80 name. I tweeted Jeez. that out earlier oh, nice. that's that's an 80 name for sure that's uh, really good and he's he's actually kind of got the coolest story of any of these guys uh kind of a just a badass because he was born in the bahamas came moved to florida played high school ball in florida and then moved back to the bahamas so he could sign as an international (laughs) free agent like that's that's a baller yeah that's so awesome i mean that's that's like just living the dream that's a power move yeah oh yeah power moves the table that's that's pretty baller wow uh and you know we shortstop potential you know five tool guys the tools are there uh could end up you know in the outfield potentially possibly in center but uh the talent is, is definitely there very intriguing guy pretty impressive like physically like i just just watching him hit like he's he's just got one of those frames where you just you know it's almost sort of a it kind of looks like byron buxton a little bit just in terms of just how lean and and like well put together he is and yeah i could really see in like two or three years this guy being just just up there with the the other two guys you know possible top 20 top 15 prospect so i mean we saw a couple shortstops go really early in the draft of course dancy dansby swanson brendan rogers how does fox kind of stack up with those guys i I get that you know uh, at least compared to Swanson, you know, younger, but is he kind of is the upside kind of right right there? Uh, it's really tough to to make the comparison because, you know, he he got the same amount of money as those guys, but it's only because there's you know kind of unlimited money, yeah. right? So if he was in the, I mean, that suggest like if if Dansby Swanson or, or Brendan Rodgers was an international free agent, they would have been up there and. Yadier Alvarez territory in terms of the the contract so uh I I see Lucius Fox as being sort of a towards the bottom of the top 200 type of guy just to kind of start it off Mm -hmm. um you know might have him maybe sort of around where where guys like Adrian Rondon and uh like Gilbert Lara are but uh definitely a guy that's got he the upside is similar Mm -hmm. to those guys I would say it's just it's just not as much of a sure thing that is interesting. Yeah, a lot of guys to track, and fun to see these this next wave of guys. You know, a month after the draft, uh, more guys to get familiar with. And you know, you mentioned the un- kind of unlimited money with the international pool. Uh, I know, you know, the owners probably lobbying for an international draft. Do you think that would be the best thing for international prospects and for the game to bring them in that way instead of how instead I, of the current system? I mean, I think that there should just be 
it should just be a complete complete open market in mm-hmm. the the draft and the international uh pool i mean i think you should be able to sign anyone you want for as much money as you want and obviously that's never going to happen so i mean yeah. i think this system is better like i just want it to be whatever system gets these guys as close to fair dollar values as possible mm-hmm. is the system that i'd want and as much as a, an even playing field as you can have like i, I don't like the idea that you you sign uh, Yohan Mankata, and then all of a sudden you can't spend more than three hundred thousand dollars this signing period. I mean, I think everyone yeah. should just be able to, you know, open up the their wallets if they want to. So, I mean, obviously that's not the case in the draft, which kind of sucks, and that's not going to be the case here uh, much longer. I mean, a lot of these teams were willing to take the the hundred percent tax on going over, but you know, I, I'm with you. I think that there might be a, a change coming. Yeah, I know Rob Manfred's kind of suggested, kind of hinted at that, and I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of with you. I feel like an open market would be best, but uh, there's, there's a lot it's of moving just, parts. It's like yeah, it's pathetic difficult. that like the, like owners are so dead set on like saving money on the the draft and on the international market, and yet you you're still giving guys like Robinson Cano like gigantic yeah. <laughs> deals. I mean, just this is where the money should be spent. Like this yeah. is where you can get the most bang for your buck. So. And the Reds, my Reds have actually done a pretty good job in the international market. I mean, Chapman, of course, Rysel Iglesias hurt, but you know, I think uh, you know the the current system, small market teams, if they use their money right, can still yeah. Win and some like, if, if it wasn't for the international market, like I as a Brewers fan, like Gilbert Lara is by far the most <laughs> exciting prospect in the Brewers system for me. So I mean, that's we got him on the international market. So I mean, it's definitely. Uh, you know, a great place to to look if you want to bolster a, a young roster. Yeah, and you can maybe find some guys who the you know the Yankees, the Red Sox, Dodgers may overlook, or uh, you know just maybe they've exceeded their their allotment there. But yeah, keep an eye on that. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the international uh, players in the years ahead. But uh, before we get to your latest farm futures piece, uh, James, we did uh, rankings top three fifty rankings major league players uh for the rest of the season uh for our latest rotowire roundtable update myself you Derek van riper jeff erickson michael rusignola all submitted our top 350s uh not posted on the site just yet but will be very shortly now i wanted to touch on just some prospects i said this is you know for the majors but there are some guys that both of us ranked who are not quite in the majors yet wanted to touch on some of those guys uh, namely Corey Seager, uh, to start with at least. He's somebody that you and I were the only two of the five to rank him. Maybe That's, that's probably going to change. Yeah, probably going to yeah. change. I, I get that. But at the same time, I think we were both you know fairly aggressive in terms of you know where he was in the top 350. Uh, where Do you remember where you had him ranked? I had him at 254. So okay, yeah, I had him at 223. Yeah, I, I, could, I could see the case for having him up there. Um, you know, I had him. I had him right behind guys like Wilmer Flores and Jimmy Paredes, and r- just ahead of J.J. Uh, Hardy and Angelton Simmons. So, you know, kind of in that range. Just sort of unpredictable. I mean, that that obviously dings him a little bit. I mean, we don't know for sure when he'll be up. Uh, we've seen even with guys, you know, a guy like Addison Russell, for instance, who I have ranked below uh, Corey Seager. Nice. Like that's that shows you just how hard it is to adjust to major league pitching i mean he's Mm -hmm. not having a great year by any stretch struggling Um, lately especially and you know that that, that's a possibility i mean seager's not a guarantee to come up and just start raking so uh he don't expect you know carlos correa 2.0 here i mean it's possible but don't don't think of that as a, a likely outcome yeah and there's you know just that uncertainty as to when he actually will be up Jimmy Rollins is struggling big time. I didn't time. rank Jimmy Rollins. I didn't Rollins. rank yeah. Jimmy that Rollins. Was a, that was an easy, easy he got, he non-rank. Yeah. I mean, he's it's been a disaster. I thought, you know, he was still able to swipe bags, hit for a decent amount of power last season, but this year a completely different story. And the Dodgers have said, you know, no imminent plans to promote Seager, but with a team like this that where, you know, budget isn't you know much of a concern and, you know, you're competing this year, you need to, you know, get a plus at this position – I get that, you know, they have Hector Oliveira uh, going to be an option. He's hurt right now, but going to be up eventually. I don't really think he's an option to play short, but I, I get that it's kind of crowded there. I, I still think, you know, Seager's bat's ready. They're going to find a place for him. 
uh, before September. I think August 1st, would you say that's a, a decent range? I think he comes up in the next two or three weeks. Oh, it would wow. be my guess. Yeah, I mean, my ranking would kind of suggest that, but I kind of feel like, uh, you know, just the upside there. I I'm, I don't know when he's coming up, but just the upside if he does right. come up, you know, like, like you're saying, who would you weeks. rather roster? Like, I mean, this is this is assuming I I know I talked to Derek. He said he assumes like 15 team league when he does these. I kind of skew a bit more to you know 12 or 14 team league, but mm-hmm. like in those types of leagues, who do you want to roster? Do you want to roster Seager who's got a ton of upside, or do you want to wa- roster a guy who you're going to hate starting every week? You know? Yeah, exactly. Or a guy like I actually have Seager ahead of Joe Mauer. Even. Sure. I mean, like uh, at first well, he base, could, he could get called up like July 25th and outproduce Maurer in the home runs and steals by like a wide margin. <laughs> yeah, like, on the exactly. season. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Exactly. I uh, mentioned Oliveira. You ranked him too, right? I put him at 317. He'd I got 290, lo- 293. Nice. He'd be a lot higher on mine if he was healthy. Yeah. You know, I think he'd actually be in the big leagues now if he was healthy. So, yeah. Uh, both guys, I think you you got to stash in fourteen team leagues, and you know Oliveira actually probably is the safer bet, I think, to perform right away, just based mm-hmm. on his age and and maturity. And yeah, so, twenty nine, yeah. right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy who theoretically should just be able to come right up and and contribute right away. Big big news coming down yesterday uh, with regarding Miguel Sano. Uh, there was kind of speculated when Kenneth Vargas was optioned to Double A Chattanooga that you know his assignment there rather than Triple A Rochester kind of was you know hinting that Snow was going to come up. Red Bollinger of MLB.com uh, later confirmed the report and the team did make the move official today. Uh, when I when I heard the news, I had to give Snow uh, quite a bump up my rankings. He, he made my top three fifty pretty easily uh, even before that came down. Because mm-hmm. I you know we we talked last week about how he's left off the futures game roster. Seemed likely that he'd get the call eventually, but I bumped him up to uh, one eighty three on my ranks. He's you know going to be seeing most of his time at DH. Can focus on, on hitting, batting six tonight against Chris Young in his debut. I'm pretty optimistic about him. Did, did he crack your top two hundred? Uh, yeah, I got him at 171. Nice. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty lofty. Uh, but, you know, I think it builds in, you know, it accounts for the risk. It accounts for the upside, too. You yeah. know, I have him right behind Brandon Belt, uh, just ahead of uh, Starlin Castro, Rugnet Odor, Gregory Polanco. So, you know, I, I said this in, in the update on him. I mean, he gets compared to Gallo, Joey Gallo a lot for the, the power. I mean, they both have 80-grade power. Uh, but they're different in the sense that I, I think Sano comes with less. I, I would say Gallo's power is a tick more impressive than Sano's, but he ha- Sano has less uh, issues with his approach. You know, yeah. like he, he really did a good job of cutting down on the strikeouts this year. I think he got that K rate below 25%. Yeah, and when you're hitting for that power, that's right. Great. Yeah, that's that's great. And so, I mean, I think he may, might maybe strike out at a thirty percent rate against big league pitching, but you can live with that. Yeah, exactly. And I think you know, like we said with Seager, it's kind of you know the upside. If we're, if we're talking rest of the season, you know, who would you rather roster? A guy like Sano or Castro? I also have Sano ahead of. For me, it's fairly easy. I mean, Castro hasn't done much. I mean, he's still kind of getting by, but with the name value and. So uh, that the, the power potential is, well, makes him a clear favor for me, even in target field. And and Sano's a guy. Well, yes, yeah, Sano's not a guy who's park dependent when it comes to the power. He can hit one out anywhere, and he's also a guy that could hit, you know, ten homers in a month. You know, I yeah. mean, it's that kind of power. So like, if you get ten homers from a guy in a month, that's that's going to do a, a ton for your uh, your categories there. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I think you got to just play the upside there. I could even see a case if someone wanted to say that he's a top 160 or top 150 guy i would i wouldn't necessarily put him there i mean there's so many guys but uh you know i've like i've tory hunter at like 153 uh i could definitely hear a, a solid case that sano should be ahead of tory hunter yeah absolutely and i'm excited to see what he's gonna do uh you mentioned homer uh the, the power really not park dependent whatsoever with this guy uh do you you put an 80 grade on it right i, I think yeah um, i mean i i think yeah. it's right up there but I know, you know, some other publications, you know, 70-ish, but, you know, in-game, uh, it's going to play up, you know, long-term it's there. But if you were saying over under rest of season, would you think he, he matches his, his total uh, with Chattanooga at 15? 
you take the under there? Um, that's kind of right about where I'd put the line. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that's I'd take the under just because so much could happen. You know, I mean like yeah. he could struggle and get sent back down. You know, in which case. Mm-hmm. He'd be out and, you know, could get hurt, obviously. He'd have to stay healthy basically the rest of the season, I think, to get to 15. But I'd take the over on 10. And, like, yeah. if you just look at projection systems, you're not going to find many players that are projected to hit more than 10 home runs the rest of the way. Yeah, exactly. And another thing, too, I mean, he had 15, but I think nine of those came in the last six weeks. He was yeah, he got off to a really slow yeah, start. He was on fire before the call-up. Another guy who cracked my top 200, uh, he's been up for, I think, five starts now, but – Still technically a prospect. Vincent Velasquez, he was one a guy that I was, uh, you know, I'm still pretty aggressive on. I have him at 192. Well, where did you end up slotting him? I have him at 199, so we're oh, wow. kind of right on the same close. page there. Uh, that's, yeah, I mean, you and I are just, we're, we're believing in the skills. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I fully expect DVR and Jeff and Michael to have him either outside their top 350 or, you know, maybe in the bottom 50 or bottom 100. Uh, because that's that's where you would naturally put him just based on what he's done so far and you know I understand that but I I just think that you're you're looking at a guy a really young pitcher getting used to a level I think once he kind of figures things out and he showed flashes of that in his last start I I think once he figures it out it's going to be a really nice ride the rest of the way. Me too. And, you know, it doesn't have any wins, so that's, you know, probably it's hurting his roto value. It doesn't (laughs) that doesn't actually matter, but um yeah, I mean, the strikeouts are there, 26 and, and 25 and two-thirds innings, the strikeout per inning. Uh, at the walk, the improvement with the, the control in his last two starts has been really encouraging, just two mm-hmm. in his last two. So that's I think he's here to stay. I'm, I'm pretty excited uh, about what he's going to do. Another young arm, though, got a, a chance just recently, uh, Andrew Heaney. I know the long-term, you know, security in that role in that starting rotation isn't really there, but he's a guy that I had to sneak into my top 250. I got him at 245. Did you put him uh, that high? I put him at 269. So, yeah, I mean, kind of right in that range. I was telling you, like, the, off air, that this, this is like – I look at these rankings and I just, like, want to just crumple – like, if it was a piece of paper, <laughs> it's not. It's on a computer. But I just want to, like, you know, burn it or light it on fire. Start I mean, over. It's, it's just, like – it's so hard to do these. Like if I had, you know, 40 hours to just sit there and like put together the perfect set of rankings, I could, but you know, we don't, <laughs> we're trying to do these in like five hours mm-hmm. and it's so tough to it's really just tough. weigh everything. You got to look at what they've done already. You got to look at what you think they're going to do. You got to look at all the factors surrounding them, you know, what, what, what's their job security, all that type of stuff. So uh, really tough to do these, but I definitely feel like Heaney's got to be a top 300 guy. And, yeah. You know, top 250 makes sense, too. I mean, I, that's a good uh, – that's a decent ballpark to pitch in. He's been impressive so far. I mean, I I'm, I was surprised by how well he pitched in his, his first couple starts. Yeah, me too, especially after how much he struggled in spring training. Really good to see. I think, you know, Matt Shoemaker has struggled, and maybe his leash is shortening up. I could see – uh, maybe him getting moved to the bullpen or something like I that. I didn't rank him. No. Uh, I think I may have, but it was like bottom 10 or something, but it was it was just barely. Um, another guy who I, I didn't have at first, but it was kind of an oversight. I had to sneak him in even though, you know, I know his calling card is his defense, but he's been batting second for the Indians. That's Francisco Lindor. I feel like that spot in the order should prove fruitful for, you know, at least stolen bases. Hopefully he could hit for a decent average, but did did you rank him? I really snuck him in. I have him at 344. I got him at 310. So, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who ideally you're not starting, right? I mean, ideally you just have him on the bench and you're just seeing, you know, if something happens uh, or just maybe even like on a watch list in a shallower league. But, yeah, I I don't see a ton of upside with him. Like, that's that's the big thing is like I like – Lindor, like five years from now, I think is going to be usable in almost all formats. Mm -hmm. It's just that – Right now, I mean, there's just not a ton there in terms of upside. Like, I don't, I don't think he's. You're gonna get burned by leaving him on your bench. Yeah, I, I had to make a spot for him, but it was kind of like, you know, where do I put him? I didn't want to put him in my top 300. I'm with you. I, ideally, you're not starting him in really any format. Maybe like our staff keeper league or our stake league. You know, 18 
17 teamers. You, I, you give him a roll, but I actually have him one spot ahead of Joey Gallo, who I have at 345. Nice. Um, so that kind of shows you where I sort of see those two guys. Do you rank Buxton? See, he was a hard ranker just because he, you know, the injury is out for for some time. I think upwards of six weeks. I, I put him. I still had to put him in top 350, but it was 333. Uh, if we're talking about half of the rest of the season. Hard to justify, you know, holding on to a guy for that long. Yeah, I actually didn't rank him. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, that's so tough. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to have him ranked because it's like, you know, it's Bucks and everything. But, I mean, he could easily, like, you know, a guy comes back from an injury. Like, he, he didn't have enough of a taste of the show, really, mm-hmm. to kind of get his feet wet, I don't think. So, I mean, he's going to come back and he's just going to be thrust right back yeah. in or they might even just like you know i don't know they might send him on a rehab and a long maybe rehab. even like keep him down yeah, yeah i mean that you know i don't expect them to be contending at that point so i think they think they will <laughs> we'll see well, let's get real um <laughs> but you know they there's a lot of scenarios where buxton doesn't even get back with the big league club until september even with all that in mind, I was still happy to rank him ahead of Michael Kadire. Sure. Well, I I <laughs> I was happy to not rank Michael Kadire. <laughs> <laughs> Barely got Kadire in there, but I didn't even want to. I mean, he's been awful. Yeah. But Buxton, I mean, you're you're right. It, there's a lot of uncertainty, especially because he got off to such a slow start to begin with. Hard to imagine he's just going to hit the ground running yeah. and be great once he once he's back. But a couple of Braves pitchers want to touch on real quick. One making his debut today, Manny Banuelos. Uh, also, Matt Whistler, want to want to see uh, if and where you, you may have ranked these guys. Well, I've been Wales at two ninety, uh, right ahead of Michael Bolsinger, right behind Kevin Gaussman. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I like Ben Wales quite a bit. I think he should be added in in all you know twelve team leagues, fourteen team leagues, just because he's a guy that I think is pretty advanced. You know, he's not the upside isn't crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's. But I think he's an advanced, you know, number three starter right now. Uh, not necessarily in the strikeout department, but in terms of run prevention, I think he can turn over a lineup a couple times. So, you know, pitching in that park, I, I think that there's there's a pretty high floor with him. With Whistler, I had him at 263, so about 30 spots higher, just because, you know, I think the there's a bit more bit more stuff there. Uh, Controls a lot better. You know, he yeah, he's got yeah, good control. So, you know, both just outside my, my top two fifty, but you know, guys that probably should be owned in mid size leagues. I had these guys really close together. Uh Whistler, Benuelos, three twelve, three eighteen respectively. I, I think I I definitely see your case for having them a little higher. I just you know, Whistler the strikeout upside isn't significant. It's not significant with either of these guys, really. Uh, and it's pitching on that team, especially without Freddie Freeman. I just think, you know, if we're just talking five by five roto, I just don't see uh, enough to push them into my top three fifty, but or top three hundred, but close top three fifty guys, yes. Uh, but Benuelos, the control does kind of worry me. Average over four uh, walks per nine down at at Triple uh, A Gwinnett. But do you think he's going to be able to, like he did with Gwinnett, uh, limit the damage, be able to keep the runs off the board? Yeah, I think he's going to get going. Uh, I could see him have being dropped after his second start there, uh, you know, especially in shallower leagues. But di- very different pitcher than Velasquez. But I'm going to buy into the the skills. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's a guy that wasn't hasn't been rushed in the minor leagues. I mean, he's got plenty of seasoning down there. So I think he's he's equipped to kind of make adjustments on the fly against big league hitting. Now we'll move on to your latest farm futures piece, international league hitters. I uh, just want to touch on this kind of quickly because. Simply put, I mean, not a lot of these guys are are hitting much, and they're kind of <laughs> you you said it, you know, in the you know byline kind of uh, they're either plateauing or they're regressing. A lot of these guys, and it's kind of tough to see. But some some you know fantasy relevant guys, people, uh, I have one of these guys at least on on a keeper league team, and that's uh, Alan Hansen. Now he he was dealing with a fractured pinky. Uh, batting two eighty five, he's been fine. Yeah. But, like, it, I mean, do you think uh, – I mean, where does he fit in with this club uh, this year and, and in 2016? Well, he's really interesting in the fact that I just have no idea what they're going to do with him. I actually think they might deal him. Like, I, I would I be – I definitely see that. 
I would be very inclined to think that he's fully available in trade talks just because they've moved him to second base. Like, I mean, they've scrapped the shortstop thing with him. And Neil Walker's on the books next year. So, you know, Neil Walker's heating up at the plate now. I mean, I don't see any way that Hanson gets in there unless there's an injury. And even in that case, they might just, you know, shuffle shuffle the other pieces they have at the big league level around. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd look for him to be dealt possibly at this trade deadline. I mean, the Pirates are a team that they haven't been that aggressive on the, the market, you know, midseason, like in mm-hmm. last year when – when they've been a really good story and everything, I think this year might be the year where they, they look at that team and they look at Garrett Cole and Francisco Liriano and Charlie Morton atop that rotation, mm-hmm. and they, they could make a case that they've got a, a really legit chance to, to go deep in October. So I think they do, for sure. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think that you, you look to deal a guy like Hanson. Maybe maybe if there's a game-changing piece out there that you see, maybe you even make a guy like Tyler Glass now available. I know that that mm-hmm. would be kind of shocking, but – Packages I, those two. I mean, he's I a mean, great return. Yeah, hell, hell yeah. I mean, he's he's one of the few guys I mentioned in this piece that is actually hitting. Like you said, mm-hmm. he's got 17 of 23 uh, on the base pass for for steals, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's got he's doing well on the extra base hits and everything. So not a guy that you should necessarily be panicking on. Kind of a fringe top 100 guy, but uh, I would look for him to maybe be changing organizations here in the near future. It's definitely interesting. I, I didn't really think of that in my mind, but. You know, the move off from short and uh, just the team needs. I, I mean, I, I really like what the Pirates have done. They got off to a slow start kind of as McCutcheon struggled, but really starting to round to form. And that rotation has been excellent. But do you think maybe if they were to make a deal with, with Hanson that they'd be looking to acquire a, a rotation piece, uh, an upgrade to kind of a front line? Guy? I don't think so. I think that they would be looking to – well, they wouldn't use Hanson for this. I think they could use a little help in the bullpen. Uh I think if they used Hanson, I think it would be to maybe uh, shore up one of the the infield positions. You know, maybe maybe they can find a shortstop, or, or maybe they, I don't know. It depends how confident they are in Gregory Polanco going into September. But I mean, he hasn't been that great at the plate this year. Maybe they look to to upgrade that. Maybe they even include Polanco in a deal. You know, mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's a I don't know Hanson and Polanco for Carlos Gomez or something like that. Um, I wouldn't expect them necessarily to do that in the division, but I think that would make a lot of sense for them. Another guy who is hitting at a decent clip and is also having success on the base pass, uh, Jose Peraza of the Braves. But at the same time, the the on-base is lacking. Very little extra base power. Uh, you know, plus his – I didn't think his path was would be blocked at all, but Jace Peterson has, has fared extremely well to this point at least. Uh what do you think about Peraza, especially rest of season uh, for fantasy? You know, I, I don't think he should be owned in most single season leagues. And that just kind of, you know, I, I as I said in the piece, there's a ton of guys you can point to this year that, that kind of say, hey, it makes sense to stash prospects, you know, it makes sense to draft them even. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we've seen so many guys get called up and so many guys perform this year, both hitters and pitchers. But Peraza is definitely the the top cautionary tale, really, in terms of of stashing guys. Because if you you probably had to draft him, unless it was mm-hmm. like a really shallow league, if you wanted him on the team, you had to draft him. And just you know, just doesn't seem like he's gonna get get the chance this year. I think he had to he had to two things had to happen. He had to really hit, and uh, Jace Peterson had to struggle. Mm-hmm. And neither of those things really happened. I mean, he's hitting two ninety one, like you said, but. That's still not – I think the Braves might have anticipated him to just be you know, tearing it up mm-hmm. in, in the International League, and that, that really hasn't happened. I mean, still impressive average for sure for a 21-year-old at AAA, but and uh, there's no rush, especially with this no. team And you that, know, that's the thing, too. Ahead. Don't, don't even – don't knock his prospect stock mm-hmm. because he didn't make the big leagues this year. Like you said, he's 21. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he'll, he'll get his chance next year. I think he's definitely interesting. I thought he might have a chance – you know, if he'd stuck in center field, maybe they'd move uh, Cam Mabin to left or something like that. But uh, they they seem to be abandoning that experiment. They got Malik Smith up now playing center. So it looks like second base pretty much exclusively for Peraza. I'm going to skip over a couple guys, but one guy I think might jump out to some looking, you know, kind of desperate for power, Dariel Alvarez. He's somebody that I know they've mentioned as a possibility to come up and play, especially after Delman Young DFA'd yesterday. 12 homers 
in 313 plate appearances at AAA Norfolk, uh, batting 278, but the on-base just 304. Do you see him as, a, as somebody who's going to be able to hit for power if, he, when he, if and when he does get the call? Uh, I don't think so. I wouldn't. I'm just don't. I don't think he's more than like a quad A guy, really, mm-hmm. or or maybe a a bench bat. Um, you know, mentioned him, mentioned Christian Walker, who's you know I saw the I don't know someone in the or- Orioles organization said those two might be options if they wanted to bolster their bench, and I just don't see those guys getting more than one or two starts per week if they get the call, and even then, it's it's hard to really project much success with with either guy. Uh, one guy that actually the the one guy in this entire league who was like a big time exciting kind of revelation this year was was Trace Thompson with the White Sox who was drafted all the way back in 2009 in the in the second round and really didn't hit at all for like 3 years and then this year it's it's finally all starting to kind of come together for him uh, terrific bloodlines. You don't usually see a guy with this much NBA connections, but you know Michael Thompson's his dad and Clay Thompson's his brother. So great athlete, uh, potential five-tool guy, more power than speed. Even though he does play a uh, good center field, and you know really putting it together this year at, at AAA Charlotte. Now I, I don't see him making uh, an appearance in the big leagues this year, but he's becoming an option for them next year, and that makes you kind of wonder about the future of Adam Eaton makes you wonder what, what they're going to necessarily do with Tim Anderson when, in, when that time comes. So uh, interesting kind of breakout year for Thompson. He's definitely going to make the top 200. I want to touch on one more guy before we move on. If you Several more players you discussed, though. If you want to see them all, uh, check out, again, James's latest piece. And if you don't have a subscription to Rotowire, get 10 days free on us. No credit card required by going to rotowire.com slash pod. Uh, Garen Cicchini... You know, he was somebody that, I mean, a lot of people pretty high on, even thinking he could be a contributor this year, but batting just 196 with a 273 on base, 298 slug at AAA Pawtucket, 5 for 5 on the base pass. But, I mean, how much has his prospect stock fallen in your eyes given what he's done to this point? Well, there's a lot going on here. So uh, it's it's really tough to, to hit at Pawtucket, so I don't mm. think that, you should just look at his 196 average and be like, well, this guy's done. But on the other hand, this is a guy that I was down on uh, relative to the rest of the industry coming into the year. I didn't have him in the top 200, um, didn't have him in the Red Sox top 10. I just I don't think that he was ever going to hit enough to, to get a good look in that organization. So, you know, while you know he's been terrible this year all those other things still remain and he hasn't really you know back in the day this was a guy that was supposed to be you know a 60 grade hitter with with big time power potential in his future just given his his body type I mean he looks like a traditional third baseman and I think you kind of got to throw a lot of that out and think of him maybe you know maybe he finds a, a role as a as a bench bat somewhere I mean if say he caught on with an organization like the like my Milwaukee Brewers they might give him a shot I don't think a <laughs> semi-full-time basis but yeah. uh, as long as he's with the Red Sox I don't see a big league playing time in his future I could see him being moved sure I mean, I mean definitely I, I think that they would it was like a secondary it's, or third it's got to be tough when you're a team that's got a guy like this who's whose trade value is completely crashed mm-hmm. uh but yeah I think you know that that's not a bad guy for an opportunistic franchise yeah. to go after. Just give him a Ryan shot. Low is know. like a secondary. Yeah. Third I mean, especially piece, if you're yeah. a team like the the Brewers that's not going to contend anytime soon. Just let him play third for a year and just see what happens. Then you can move on, get somebody else going. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, that'll do it for the prospect portion of the show. Going to grade out another hip hop group. Uh, we started last week with Gangstar grading on the twenty to eighty scale. The five tools we have established for hip-hop groups. Uh, lyricism, flow, longevity, impact, and swag. Again, 20 to 80 scouting scale for these five tools. And Outkast, uh, that's who we're grading this week. Really, you know, one of my favorite hip-hop groups of all time. High score is really across the board for me, but we'll start with lyricism. Now, this is one where I think, you know, I, I definitely like both guys, Big boy, Andre 3000. Uh, but I, I, I tend to lean more toward the flow with these guys, the delivery, uh, 
than, than the lyrics. I mean, the lyrics are usually good, but I, I have it at 60 plus, you know, a plus tool. But, uh, you know, if we're, if we're setting, you know, Wu-Tang, maybe Gangstar as the, as the 80s here or close to it, uh, I think they fall a little short. Yeah, there's there's other groups that we'll get to where, I mean, we, we might be talking about legit 80 lyricism. I, I put a 65, yeah, I put a 65 on them. Uh, just not really super consistent. Like, they they have, both guys have lyrics or have songs even where they're, they're at an 80. But, mm-hmm. you know, some songs too where, you know, it's just kind of, you know, solid plus, but, you know, not, not, not truly elite. Uh, so I'm with you. I, I lean towards the the flow. Yeah, and the flow we both have is an 80. I mean, yeah. their debut album, Southern Playlist of Cadillac Music, really just kind of that that title uh, really kind of describes their flow. You know, it's sometimes you know Andre sings a little bit, or you know, uh, I'll call before I come. Obviously, not yes. off Sa- Southern Playlist of Cadillac Music, but they switch it up, have that Southern feel for sure, and uh, just very unique. Yeah, I mean, like, songs like Two Dope Boys and a Cadillac, mm. ATLians, like, yeah. I mean, you know, Rosa Parks. I mean, there's just so many songs where it's just... Player's you, Ball. You could, like, you pick out these songs that, that are outcast songs, and, like, if you were to say, hey, could any other two rappers have even hacked it on these songs? And, yeah. and it would have been, like, no. I mean, they're, they're the only ones that could have really pulled some of these off. Yeah, and... You know, they, Big Boy and Andre had really different flows, but both, both 80s, in my own yes, in my yes. opinion. And I think, you know, I think, uh, I think Andre's flow might be maybe top five of all time, personally. And I, and I yeah. love Big Boy too. I actually like Big Boy a little more, but maybe that was because I wasn't a big fan of, uh, of some of Andre's solo work. Sure. Where I was a really big fan of, of, uh, speaker box uh, big boy yeah, yeah exactly and yeah it's it's tough to grade but i think you know if we're talking about about flow that one sticks out as as an easy grade and by the way i mean street talking slick rick featuring oh, yeah. outcast slick, big boy slick specifically the outcast it's clear. <laughs> uh well i mean also how many how many uh duos i mean this is a hip-hop duo how many duos are there that like play off each other this well mm-hmm. i mean it's yeah, usually exactly. a bigger group or maybe a DJ and a and a rapper. I mean, it's it's really impressive that they they pull this off with yeah. just the two of them. They work so well and balance each other out. And I also think uh, this kind of goes with it. But you know, kind of an old story about them about how they would you know recite their lyrics and and spit their raps while on a treadmill. <laughs> you know, just so that they'd get the wind. You know, sure. be able to to recite it so easily, and that you can kind of tell because they flow and it's. Uh, it's kind of effortless and it just uh, really, really good stuff. Now, longevity, I got an 80 here because I, I still throw in all their albums uh, and they, they almost get better with time. It feels like hard for me to pick a favorite, but I, don't, I honestly think Stankonia might might be my favorite. Maybe just because it's sentimental and, you know, during that time I you know, gave it a ton of spin, but Quemini, AT Aliens, uh, even Southern Playlist of Cadillac Music, all great. But and that's the thing. I think the collection, the discography, is enough to to where you know we're talking thirty years from now, people are still going to be jamming this out. Yeah, I if I'd thought about it in that sense, I would have given them an eighty two. I mean, I I'm definitely with you. I mean, like AT Aliens, I can pop in Aquemini, Stanconia, uh, Southern Playlistic. I mean, I can pop any of that in, and it it plays really well today. I I gave them a. 65 just because i was looking at it i was also factoring in just like how long they were together and putting out kind of classics um yeah that wasn't a very long you can look at it either way but yeah i mean they they you know southern playlist cadillac uh music came out 1994 stanconia came out 2000 then they did their their double disc uh each did a solo thing in 2003 then i'm not going to count idle wild um but (laughs) but uh no chance you know I'm really just kind of looking at at uh, 94 to 2000 is when they were truly, you know, outcast, put out those four mm-hmm. classic albums. Um, and it's I mean, it's really impressive just how 
you know, they didn't have a dud in there. I mean, those four mm-hmm. are, are both uh, are all just classics. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, but you you make a good point. Like, how many guys? I mean, there are some, I mean, but we're talking about the greats who really mm-hmm. have albums that were released in that time period and can still hold up today. Yeah, exactly, and have like four albums yeah. that do that. Yeah, it's for me that's an eighty. Uh, I see where you're coming from, though. Not a long window where they're releasing great music. Do you think there's any chance we get a reunion record? Or well, I know they toured. They were touring. Uh, they were hitting all the the big, uh, you know, festivals and everything last year, and I I missed them. But they, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I know they went to like Summerfest around here oh, and everything. So I mean that that definitely tells you that at least they're you know they still do stuff together so you know hopefully yeah. although I I almost sort of wonder if that the magic's sort of gone in terms I of the, what that. they could do in the studio just because you know I've I've listened to some of uh you know Big Boy's solo stuff and it's it's good it's just different like it's yeah. not it doesn't have that sort of same flow and like style. that track with George Clinton that's that's a great I love song. this yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's not really. Outcast, no, it's, you know, it's, it's big, big boy. boy. Yeah, right, exactly. yeah. I mean, I don't think they could get back together and just get that back what they mm-hmm. had on like Stanconia. And they, you know, they did it to themselves in a sense because they set the bar so high for themselves. Hard to live up to, you know, those four albums that we mentioned that were just absolutely amazing. Now, impact as far as uh, in the industry, you know, for me, that's you know, it's significant, definitely. Uh, you know, we talked about Gangstar last week being, you know. Uh, the artists, artists, you know, mm. and I think Outcast kind of the same way, but uh, and I also have a, a slightly higher uh, grade for Impact for Outcast. I got a seventy. I think that's more taking into account the cultural impact. Yeah, I put a seventy on it as well. I mean, this is a group that you know they they're listened to by by everyone in the industry. I mean, like Jay Z loves these guys. You know, people on the West Coast love these guys. You know, Slick Rick doing doing tracks with them and stuff, <laughs> uh, but then they're all they also have songs that you know like seventeen year old like indie yeah. chicks will be dancing to you exactly. know like Bombs Over Baghdad and stuff like that 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 can play to any crowd really so uh, everybody knows who Outkast is whether you like hip hip hop or not and mm-hmm. I mean I think that really says a lot. Skew it on the Barbie, Skew it on the Barbie track? with Rayquan. Rayquan? Oh, yeah. oh, what a track! Yeah. I had that on I had that on like one of my tapes that i made like where i would hit record when a song would come on the radio Radio. i did that all the time i had that on one of those and man man was i waiting for that track to come out oh god (laughs) i love that track it makes me brings back so many great memories too and uh speaking of raekwon and you you mentioned outcast was on tour i saw raekwon and ghost uh were recently on a uh, only built for cuban links reunion tour stopped through cincinnati uh, to go I think Ghost is going to a festival around here that uh, that I was asked to go to with some friends, but I just can't make it work schedule wise. But uh, yeah, I mean that that's still something on the bucket list is to yeah. check those guys out in some some form. I gotta see those guys. I've seen Method I gotta Man. Gotta see Outcast. Too. Seen, yeah, me too. I've seen Method Man, and he was with he's actually with Inspector Deck and some others. But Rain Ghost together, I, I really want to see them. Uh, but that's for preferably day. wearing what they wore on the cover of bulletproof wallets <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> those robes <laughs> just cooking in the kitchen uh now swag this is the only really tool that we differ on a little bit and admittedly you know i i got a 65 still plus for sure but you know i, I actually don't love andre's swag he's got you know a different look and i respect his thing but you know it's not really the the look i i love on the other side, Big Boy, I mean, he's got a ton of swag. On, if we're talking about just on the mic, elite, but I, I just, you know, that that fashion, you know, trying to make kind of fashion statement, I'm, I'm not really into that so much. See, I'm 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 the complete opposite. Like, I, I'm giving them an 80 here, <laughs> and it's all about Andre, really, for me. Like, I, I don't think you'll – I mean, how many, like, rappers, like, like dress and behave like, you know, Jimi Hendrix, yeah, like, I, I don't guess, like it's yeah. it's very. But do you think he's you don't think he's forcing it at all? I think it's very natural for him. I mean, just mm. especially just based on like everything we know about him and the way that he, like, he's not like a sellout like at all. Like, yeah, I mean, like true. it's not like he's out there doing doing crap on like MTV or or what have you. I mean, I think he's 
he like views himself as an artist and he's kind of different than that's that's kind of what's so interesting about that group is that they're they're so different just in the way that they mm-hmm. uh dress and the way they carry themselves um you know i i think i think uh big boy's great at what he does too you know i mean big boy was like really just he, he mirrored kind of just typical like hip-hop at at the time um, mm. when it was going on and uh andre was out there in his own little world but i, I think it definitely worked yeah it, it worked for also sure. some of the some of the best album covers of all time oh easily yeah and i you know with andre i guess yeah he wasn't really forcing it i guess uh, you know for me uh, when i was younger it just kind of came off the you know it's just a little too out there for me. The the Hendrix comparison is a very good one, and I think he kind of fancies himself like that, just kind of, you know, an artist that you know doesn't really want the spotlight and just doing it all, like, doing his like own he's thing. He's got kind of that that sort of Prince vibe almost, where yeah. if you were like hanging, if you were at like a party that Under Three Thousand was at, like you'd just be staring at him the whole time, like <laughs> seeing what he was doing. Like, what's he yeah. doing over there? Like, what's he up to? Like, what yeah. is he really with all those chicks? Like going into <laughs> that room right now? What are they going to do in there? <laughs> I'd love to know. Uh, yeah. I just like the blonde wig. Like it wasn't a long blonde wig. I'm not, you know, saying anything about, you know, uh, you know, his preferences or anything like that. It's just, uh, just I, the look. It I'm wasn't not, like I'm a look down, that I was super. I'm in. not down with the blonde wig, but yeah. I mean, every everything else, I'm I'm fine with. I love the turban on the the yeah, cartoon that's turban. You know, that's yeah, we were talking about the street talking video. Sure. Uh, Big Boy's outfit in that video is classic. If you haven't seen it? Check it out on YouTube. Great video too. Slick Rick, uh, guy that I think is really kind of criminally underrated. But if you have any suggestions of, of groups you want us to grade in future episodes. Please hit us up on Twitter again. James is at Real JR Anderson. I'm at Clay W. Link. Also, please be sure to rate and review the podcast if you listen to it on iTunes. Thank you for listening, guys. We'll be back with you next week. So, you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course, you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course, you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.